I remember at the end of December, I was hanging out with some friends and talking to them about this newest program that was blowing up the tech world, ChatGPT. And yet, they had no idea or no clue what this program was or what it could do until I showed them what it could do, and it blew their minds. ChatGPT takes the current search engines we have and takes it to a next level. Instead of having to click different links, it will generate a response for us based on the question we're asking so that we have it right there. We don't have to click through 10 different links looking for something we want. At the same time, ChatGPT can also write a full essay for us. If you're in education, this can be scary because essentially a computer can do the homework for a student. A computer can write an essay for a student and we can't even tell if it's plagiarized. And that can be very, very scary. However, I believe ChatGPT is something we as educators, as parents, as students should embrace because it actually provides resources that many of us may not have outside of school. It provides us another opportunity to extend our learning. And with that, we're bringing on Joe Marquez today to discuss what ChatGPT is. Hey guys, this is Chris. I'm here with Laura Wilson. Hey everybody. And today we have Joe Marquez, the Director of Academic Innovation with the nonprofit Q. He's going to come on and talk and share about ChatGPT and generative AI. ChatGPT right now is one of the big topics that, been, that has been trending since the end of November and continues to blow up. And so as we dive into this, we're going to break down what ChatGPT is. We're going to break down what generative AI is. And first and foremost, Joe, could you introduce yourself and tell us what Q is? Yeah, absolutely. Chris, Laura, thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, so first of all, I want to say I'm an educator. Uh, you, you can you can pull me out of the classroom, but you can never pull the classroom out of myself. Uh, so that's who I am. I'm an educator out of the Central Valley of California, uh, and I just love to be able to work and chat with educators to just really promote what can happen uh, when you work as a team and you integrate technology into your lesson. So, uh, you know, through everything that I've done, I have now become the director of academic innovation for Q. And Q is a nonprofit education organization here in California, Oregon, Nevada, um, and, and possibly Arizona might be coming in soon. Um, and it's been around since 1978. And our entire goal is to be able to support and be there for any educator who is looking to learn how to integrate more technology for the purposes of engagement, motivation, critical thinking, and uh, student agency uh, in, in the classroom. I know that's a lot of stuff, but it's a passion that I have. And I'll say that Q is the organization that made me feel valuable as an educator, that, that made me feel that adding creativity into the content was what teaching's all about. And it allowed me to flourish. So, you know, when I had the opportunity to join this organization as a, as a permanent staff member, I jumped at that opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't realize Q has been around for so long and their mission hasn't changed from the beginning of time to now. It's always been, hey, how do we help embed technology and help students become successful with the use of technology in the classroom? And my assumption is also how to use it appropriately and like understand how to use, whether it's tech, any type of technology, how to use it efficiently. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's not about using the technology. It's about completing uh, a goal, right? And, it's a, and how does that technology help us complete that goal? And I always tell teachers this as well. I say, never, never try and force technology into your lesson. It will, it will be evident that technology is needed to enhance the lesson or to solve a problem 
in your lesson. Never, never force a, 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 a square into a round peg, a round hole, right? Uh, you just have to know all the different tools available to you in that toolbox to know what to use. And speaking of tools, there's a new tool that just came out, ChatGPT. Yeah. What exactly is this? Well, I'll tell you, it, 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 I don't get excited about something new very often. Uh, a lot of stuff that comes down the pipe in education now with technology is just a playoff of something that's already existed, right? Uh, I mean, you, you two have been around for a while to know the heyday of ed tech, right? Once when uh, Chromebooks became evident in the classroom and they became uh, uh, more affordable for schools to have, you started seeing industry uh, because there was there was finally profit in it. You saw industry creating tools for the classroom. And so you started seeing things like Pear Deck and Nearpod and Flipgrid and GoFormative and, and all these tools. And it seemed like every week there was something new. I was exciting, but it's been a while since something is has been exciting to truly change the trajectory of education. Uh, and that is ChatGPT and generative AI in general. And the reason it's so groundbreaking is because it opens up possibilities, right? Um, just like the internet did. The, what the internet did was it removed information from a location and put it in the hands of everybody, anywhere, all at once. That's why the internet completely changed this world. It can change the world, it changed the industry, it, can, it changed commerce, and it has slowly been changing education because it brought the world to the classroom. ChatGPT or generative AI in general is bringing about, I would say, a new revolution in the classroom because we start to see that information now can be tiered towards individuals. And what ChatGPT is, is it is basically a, a program that takes the entirety of the internet, all human writing in existence from, from their, uh, their, their vast library, and it will be able to answer questions in a very human way. It's not 100% accurate all the time. And that's one of the things that tells you on the main page. It says there will be inaccuracies, inaccuracies and it's up to you to comb through what, it, what the response comes out to make sure everything in there is factual. But it does a lot of the remedial work that a, a, a lot of us have learned to do through education and through college. At the bare bones of it, it replaces the search engine, the internet search engine, whether you use Bing or Google or Ask Jeeves, if that's still around, right? What it does is it will bring the information to you into an easy to read format with the information that you're looking for. And if you want more information, instead of having to click on another web page or read another article, you just say, can you explain more to me? Is there more information you can find? And it'll bring more to you. It, it's almost like having your own personal um, uh, investigator. Hey, go go look for this for me. Go look for that and bring it to me and write it down in the simplest way possible. That's so, what it will do for you. So this is very similar to like chatbot. So like if I go to my bank, like Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, usually there's a little pop-up that pops up saying, hey, how can I help you today? And I can click and talk to it and it'll direct me towards certain direction, but that's very limited. So what you're saying is, ChatGPT is essentially that on steroids. Yes, exactly. And and I, I love that you mentioned it that way because right now you have to go to the OpenAI, which is the the 
the company that made this, they're a nonprofit with a for-profit wing now. You'd have to go to their website, you'd have to sign up, and you'd have to actually go to the ChatGTP website to work on it. But Microsoft actually, a couple of years ago, put a billion dollars into bringing this full force, and then they put another $10 billion in. And you know what they're going to do with this. They are incorporating it into Bing, so it brings all the information to you, and they're going to incorporate it into Microsoft Office. And so you said it's like a chatbot on steroid. I say it's Clippy on steroids. Oh, right? I remember so Clippy. You remember Clippy? Yeah. You remember Clippy? Clippy would give you suggestions and, and maybe a little bit of helpful hints. Now Clippy will be like, I notice you're writing about the Civil War. Would you like me to start your first paragraph for you? Right? Boom, right there. I notice you're writing this. Would you like me to give you an outline so that you can get started faster? Sure. It's going to be that built into this. And so that's what I'm saying about why this is such a game changer in education. At this moment, you have to go to the OpenAI website, create an account, and use it. Very quickly, it's going to be embedded into all the products you are using in the classroom. It's going to be. So we have to learn as educators, as parents, as students, as, as TOSAs, as technology coaches or, or curriculum and instruction coaches, we have to know that this is going to be available. So how do we move past the remedial part of it and dive deeper into the possibilities of it? And I say this because we have a lot of educators who are scared of this. Why is there there's so much fear with it? What, what you know, it sounds, first of all, it doesn't even sound real. It sounds like you go to a movie and you happen to see this. So that that's the first thing. So every time I've seen it, you know, you've asked a question and it comes up this whole essay or whatever it is. And then I'm like, this isn't for real. This just cannot be really happening. But then as an educator going, oh my gosh, my kids will never do research. My kids will never, you know, take, you know, ownership of their own voice. So as an educator, like I put on that hat and I go, oh gosh, what's, what's, so the fear is real, I think for education. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I think also, and you're right, there is this fear of it in education. And, and one of the fears that I hear all about is the big C word, cheating, right? That, that is, that is something I hear all, it's just going to make it so much easier to cheat. They're going to cheat. They're going to cheat. The fear of cheating sometimes stops us of educators to try new things. Oh, they're going to just cheat. But, but, you know, I like to put a little bit more faith in my students and that they're not always going to be using things like this to cheat, right? Can it use them to give them a head start on a project that they are just stuck on? I, I don't know about you, but my best uh, ideas and writing never happens when I'm under pressure, right? Right, right now, like oh, I get writer's block. Like, I don't know what to write about. I don't know how to start. I don't know what's going. And if in our classroom, we're asking our kids, okay, I want you to write about this topic. Start going, go. That GPT can help get you started. And if we help train our students, this is a tool to help us kickstart the writing process, right. not replace the writing process. That helps them out a lot, Agree. right? I agree. Um, yeah. And, and one of the great things about this is that you're actually, uh, they're actually embedding integrity into it. Because just this morning, I asked it to write me an essay that, that uh, writes an argument that the moon landing in 1969 was a hoax. I wanted it to write me an essay using all those conspiracy theories to tell me that it was a hoax. And it said, sorry, we can't do that. 
Uh, we are only we we are only going to allow this to write factual based uh, essays, uh, and um, you know it is a proven fact. We went to the moon and listed why. And then I said, okay, I want you to write me a step by step debunking of all the conspiracies that say why we did, and it did that for me. Here is why this conspiracy doesn't. So it's actually in, in, in integrating some integrity into it, but the problem is, open AI is integrating integrity into it. They're not the only player in this game and we're not the only country as a player in this game. So that is another reason why we need to get our students to understand this because fact checking needs to be a part of everything we do now in, in the class. Where is your primary sources? Where are you getting this information from? Sure, you had ChatGPT write this. Now I want you to retroactively fact check what was written. Fact-checking needs to be a skill taught in schools now because of all of this happening. And if we if we start to see the need for it, we can teach with the need for it, right? And this, this just goes back to media literacy and understanding that what we're consuming, how we're consuming it, and where all this information is coming from. Because I know uh, our other colleague, Scott, he's really big into this. And we've had a discussion on this and just big picture. It's Fox News, MSNBC, and somewhere in between. You know, everyone's showing one side of the story. You have to find what the truth is. And we, as we continue to grow as a country, as we continue to grow as individuals, we have to figure out what's true and what's not true. And how do we do that, especially with so many echo chambers everywhere nowadays and how so many silos that people are like, hey, I agree with all these people. I'm just going to work with all these people. And that's it. No, 100%. And, 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 Chat GPT isn't the only generative AI tool that is out there, right? You you alluded to Volley, right, which is uh, in beta in Microsoft, uh, and just they they what they have is this vast library of audiobooks. Uh, there's this library of free audiobooks, and they took the entire library and got every single voice from that, and they have somebody read a prompt. They find the closest voice to that person's voice and they run it through the same diffusion filter as all these other things. And they try to replicate your voice and anybody can type anything and it will give you voice to this. And now you incorporate that with deep fakes and deep video fakes. Now you're in for a lot of trouble. Google just released some, um, some betas that they're doing with some of their AI. There's something called music LM uh, and through text prompts, and all this is done through text prompts, no coding or anything, through text prompts, it will generate music for you in the style that you want. And if you want it to actually sing from that style, you say what you want it to sing, and it will have a vocalization of that song and a really stunning replication. And so now the idea is, what is music? Is music if it's computer generated, but through an idea from somebody, is that is, is that person a, magi ma ma a magician uh, or musician or a magician, right? We don't know. And so things are blurred here as well. And, and that is why I'm mentioning this blurring because we have to go back to the classroom. And I wanna go to the classroom of English class. I, so I would love to hear your answer to this first before I dive deeper into it. What is the purpose of English class, right? A high school English class. What is the purpose of a high school English class? Well, there's there's different modality, modalities within the English class. There's the writing component to be able to write. There's the reading component to be able to 
read, comprehension, uh, grammar, um, find out different ideas um, based on writing styles, um, you know, being able to speak, you know, having that forum to feel confident when you, when you speak. So it's a myriad of a lot of different things in one subject, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And oh the, God, the, I got an A. Okay. Yay. No, you did. You did. You did. Uh, and I agree with that a hundred percent. Right. Uh, because throughout history, right. For thousands of years, the number one way to convey your thoughts, your learning, your teaching, your information has been through writing. The only way to consume others, thoughts, information, ideas is from writing. Right. That's why uh, when when the Library of Alexandria was destroyed and all that history was gone, it was a great loss for humanity because there was so much only these single books of information that were now lost to humanity. Right. Writing is incredibly important to humans because it is one of the only things that allows us to progress and look back and write more and convey information. But in the last 15 years, that has all changed. In the last 15 years, writing has not been the most persuasive form of communicating and conveying information. Media has. Podcasting, a YouTube, all of these different modalities to convey information have, have shifted from one singular subsect of education to a vast modality of different multimedia aspects of this. And so my my thought is, why haven't we started to incorporate if the true idea of English is to get students to speak well, to be able to listen to other people's thoughts, to be able to say, this is the thought here, this is the thought there, this is what they're trying to convey. Why are we still just sticking to the writing component? Why are we not doing more through a multi-modality component in English class? Let's evolve with the way humans are now communicating and I think one of the things is writing has just been the force to change and give information for so long, it's hard to make that shift. And with chat GPT, with just a two sentence prompt, it'll write a B paper for you. I think this might be that giant nudge that kind of forces us to relook at what kind of assignments we are giving our students. I still believe a writing component is 100% valuable and absolutely needed. But what after? What else? How do we get your information off of the page and into somebody's purview? Why are we not having our students turn their writing into a podcast? Why are we not having our students turn their writing into a YouTube uh, production? Why are we just relinquishing it to the page? So I think... What ChatGPT can do is amplify the writing process to allow for more time to innovate in new ways in the classroom. But that causes fear because you may have a lot of English teachers who don't know about video production, who don't know about audio production, who don't know how to even start incorporating those modalities into their classroom instruction. And that's, but, 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 but fear is okay. Chris and Laura, that's what you're here for, right? As coaches, you go in and see the vision of how the teacher would love to progress. And you find ways to make that progression happen through coaching and time. This isn't going to change overnight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying goodbye, goodbye, everything you've done before you have to change tomorrow, but small changes do need to be made because 
when something that used to take an hour now takes a computer 30 seconds to do, we need to make sure we find other ways for our students to critically think. We need to make sure our, our students find other ways to showcase their fantastic voice. We need to make sure students find other ways to showcase their creativity. Which you saying that that really just triggers something for me as far as how to view this um, in a positive light, in a non-fearful way, that if students are using chat GPT, that they come up with this essay, that's the first layer. The second layer and the third layer needs to be, okay, I need you to take more of a conventional research and compare and contrast. And then it becomes that they own it now because they're seeing, oh, I just put in a sentence and here's my paper, give me a grade. Now they're going to, okay, well, what did somebody else write about this? And how can I compare the two? Or what what are my feelings about it? Like doing a self-reflection. So it really can take it to internalizing whatever it is that we're in search of. Yes, yes. And, and do you know one of the number one reasons teachers don't take that next step? Time. There's not enough time, right? I mean, because you're t- teaching students how to properly write a five-paragraph essay, how to have a beginning, a body, a conclusion, right? Students turn that in, whether it's digitally or physically. You, the teacher, comb through it, write responses back, give feedback, write with your red pen or write with your comments in Google Docs, and then you give it back to the students. The students look at it. And how long does that feedback cycle take? It takes time. What if a student wrote their paper, copied it, pasted it in the chat GTP and said, can you please uh, fix any grammar or tell me what I've messed up on or, or, or help me identify paragraphs that can be better written. Can you give me more examples? In 30 seconds, chat GPT does what you as the educator does over a weekend. Now that could be fearful to a teacher. Well, then what am I useful for? But I think now it can be like, now I have so much more time for activities. Now I have so much more time to take the next step. The computer did all the suggestions. Now I want to take a look at what the computer's suggesting, right? But the computer's given the suggestions. Now we have time to take that next step. I think looking at the possibilities by being given back time as an educator, that's the exciting part. Don't look at it as it's taking away something I have normally done in the past. Look at it as I don't have to do that anymore to, to, the greatest extent, you still want to go in and, and still look at your students' papers. But it now gives you the opportunity to incorporate more of the things that we had previously talked about. Because the number one thing that teachers say, I can't look at this new tool. I don't have enough time. I can't integrate this new idea. I don't have enough time. If you're given the gift of time, now you have that. Maybe chat GPT is that gift. But we have to find ways to properly use it. That's the thing. And I think we haven't wrapped our head around how to properly use it yet. That's why these conversations are so incredibly important. So we can unlock the power of the GPT to identify the changes that we can make and amplify learning and creativity and put it more back into a student, student-centered class rather than the sage on the stage kind of class. And as you're talking, this sounds very familiar to when flip model first came out. I think there's a lot of hesitancy with the flip model because it's like, I got to record myself. I got to put it on video. Who knows if the students are going to watch the video. But then 
as you progress, you're like, the kids are watching it or doing it. I'm getting more time in the classroom to work with the students to do activities. I don't have to focus so much time, like you said, being the sage on the stage and doing the lecture, doing all this stuff. It's now, hey, I got the time to work with you to make sure you understand to continue to work on the mastery as opposed to the regurgitation of information. And I feel like just listening to talk, it seems more and more like I remember growing up when Google started to explode, I know there was a hesitancy with Google because they're like, no, you can't search it. Nope. We're going to block search engines. We're going to block the internet. You get the textbook only. But now if you look at it, it's embedded everywhere. And I think what you're saying and I'm, uh, the way I'm hearing it is embrace the technology, take the time to learn it if you can. If you can't learn it, the students will know it. So work with the students and embrace it and find ways that you can maximize return because it's essentially a gift being given back. It's like we've always said, I remember as a teacher, I would say, I really want to do this, but I have to cover these concepts by this time before you know the state assessments or before their tests. I don't have the time to do that. Whereas now it's like, okay, they can use this. I can work more on like as a biology teacher, we can work more on the labs. We can more work more on looking at, you know, how systems work in the in our body and how they interact. And we can spend more time with actual discussions as opposed to just a lecture. A hundred percent. When you give the students the gift of experience, that is so much more powerful than giving them a just a singular activity or paper to write. The the gift of experiencing the subject is the most important part about learning. And, and I want us to remember this as well. Like textbooks exist. It's not a teacher who's just up there um, a, a, a teaching based on their historical knowledge. They have a textbook, right? That textbook was researched by other people. It was written by other people in a way that's easy to follow for the teacher and easy to follow for the students. So you have to ask yourself, if my student just read the textbook, could they pass all my tests? If the answer is yes, you've already been replaced by technology, the written technology. But every teacher I've talked to says, oh, that would never happen because I put my own spin on things. I, I connect with the students. I create stories that resonate with them. I said, that's exactly what you will do here. That's exactly what you will do here. The teacher-student relationship will never be replaced by a bot, will never be replaced by technology. So students and teachers should not fear of losing what, they've, what, they, what they have. They should celebrate in what they could evolve into with this new tool. And I think whenever technology like this is thrown like a grenade into the world, the first thing is let's run away from the explosion. And then you have a time of settling of we, what's happening, what's going on. But when the dust settles, everything ends up being okay. Everything ends up being okay and even better. Think back in the 70s when the VHS came out, right? When the VHS came out, the motion picture industry was, this is going to destroy movies. This is going to destroy the cinema. Nobody wants to watch movies at home. It, it actually gave them another revenue source to make better movies because they have this new revenue source. Instead of it just being in the movie theater, it can be played at home. When the internet came out and you started seeing e-commerce, that's going to be the end of the, the brick and mortar store. No, but some of the smaller ones who weren't going to innovate did go away. When Blockbuster refused to get into streaming and Netflix took over, they, they, they got pushed out of the game. 
but we are all better for it. And it didn't destroy the movie industry. It didn't destroy streaming. It made it better and it gave people choices and it made things more equitable because now people who couldn't leave their house could watch new, watch the movies in their home. Same thing with music, same thing with everything. The only difference here is all of those things never uh, precipitated into the classroom. They never really made a change in the classroom. This is the first thing at an industry level that threatens to shake up education. The first thing since, I would say, the internet. But we found a way to live with the internet. We found a way to harness the power of the internet. And I think our students are better for it. We will find a way to make chat GPT work with our students, work for us as educators. And I think we will actually amplify what's possible in the classroom when we find ways to implement it successfully. So when we remove the fears and replace it with possibilities, I'm, I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited. Uh, and, I, and I hope teachers are as well, because there's so much that can be done with this technology uh, to amplify the creative process, to amplify the writing process. Social media, train our students on etiquette. It is not proper to go home and have the computer write the entire thing for you. We have to train our students on etiquette. It is proper to ask it to help you get started. It is proper to say, hey, can you give me an outline of just ideas I can possibly do? That's a great way to get started. Show them ways to use it to benefit their educational progress, not replace it, right? And I think that's the, the main goal here is let's not be fearful of this. Let's, let's see how this can help us because I, I think you'll be amazed down the line, uh, five years from now, you're like, I can't believe we were scared about this. I'm so excited about what we're doing today. Well, you've definitely helped me, you know, because I kept vacillating back and forth of, of it being like magical and then fearful for the educator side of it. So you're right. And, and it, you've really given me all these ideas that are just like bing, 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 bing in my brain to go in that direction, to be on the positive side of this, to show the great things that it could do. And it really you know what you were talking, I was thinking, you know, as a teacher, when I taught, we'd only be able to skim. That's all we had time for, just skimming. Kids would do things, they would just know at the bit top level, and then we'd go on to something else. And now it gives them to go so much deeper that time because the skimming part, we could have chat GPT kind of get us there and then we could dive deeper. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can be on this bandwagon with others to like show this is a really great thing and 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 how it's really going to help education. Yeah. And I think just listening, as Laura was talking and you were talking, I think for those of us who want to differentiate and support, you know, our low, our medium, our high learners, our students across the spectrum, that additional time now gives us that effort and opportunity to work with the students who may need a little bit more support or may need you know more clarity just because chat gpt or any generative ai it might just give you the information but then they schools are designed to help us think critically and how to use our critical thinking skills and our analysis skills we're still going to have to show the students how to think critically no book is going to say hey to think critically you need to do xyz no you know, chat GPT might break it down, but even then it's like, okay, I read it, but I'm not applying it. So as an educator, we can start applying it and showing students how to apply this knowledge. And 
I also want teachers to think of it as a partner in their innovation process. And let me give you a couple examples. A PE teacher who only has hula hoops, traffic cones, and maybe tennis balls, but they want to create a new game out of it. They can go into chat GPT and say, uh, please create a PE game that incorporates collaboration and a running component. And I only have these items to get it, get it done. Go create a game for me. It'll create an objective, the name of the game, the PE components it's going to cover and step-by-step -step rules and procedures that you need to follow. And you may never have thought of this game, but chat GPT was there to give you a helpful hint. And if you don't like it, you could change some of the things up or you could say, can you give me another game? It'll give you another one. Same thing as a science teacher. I would go in, this is a lab that I would normally do. These are the items I have. This is what the object is. Can you give me another suggestion? And it will go in and it'll write you a whole nother lab using those same materials, maybe a different approach that's a little bit more engaging and student-centered. It's like having a co-teacher to talk back and forth to, right? And some teachers are like, well, I like to sit there and ideate and all the different, that's great. You can still do that, but also you can do it this way as well. I think that's fun to be able to do that kind of thing. But there's a couple of things we have to be wary about. Uh, number one is bias because chat GPT pulls from human writings and humans are inherently biased. Uh, and so you have to be very mindful of that. And an example, Chris, you mentioned uh, uh, generative, the generative AI tool Dolly. Uh, it's an image creator. Um, I found another one called Midjourney, which is a billion times better. I've been having so much fun playing around with it. But I wanted it to create a photo hyper realistic image. And this is, I'm just typing this into Midjourney. Create a photo hyper realistic image of educators attending a conference in Palm Springs, because Q is in Palm Springs, having fun at the Palm Springs Convention Center, right? And guess what it came back with? All white educators, all female, because it is biased in thinking all educators are female, all educators are white. I had to go in and say a diverse group of educators, both male and female, for it to give me the image that I wanted. But right off the bat, inherently biased. Every single thing that I've done, just asking for a general, give me, uh, you know, give me a, a, a an army veteran. Um, you know, uh, coming home from this or that, it's always a white male. Give me that. It's always a white, unless you specifically ask for, uh, for race or, or, or gender, it's going to give you, you know, unless the job is typically female, like from historical context, it's inherently biased and the writing can be inherently biased. And it says that right there in chat GPT, that writings can come out biased. Please make sure you go through because it's pulling from human writings. And, you know, one of the last things I want to mention is this as well, is equity in this use. The schools that are completely banning this use uh, in the classroom, and I, and I want to say off the bat, uh, uh, OpenAI is not an education platform. ChatGPT is not made for education. So they don't sign COPA, they don't sign FERPA, they don't sign the student privacy pledge. They say you have to be 18 to use this. So a lot of schools saying because of that, we're, we're banning. I understand that. But I also want you to understand this. The students who have access to this at home have the means to uh, uh, 
internet at home, who has the means to devices at home, they're going to be able to play around with this. The students who don't have access to internet at home, who don't have access to devices at home, they're going to be left in the dark with this. By doing that, you're creating an inequity in its use, in the knowledge of its use. I don't think that's fair. So I think this needs to be at least talked about in the classroom by the teacher. If you don't want to give students access to it, I understand. But at least have the teacher demonstrate it. Have fun with it. And a couple of the ways I've had teachers use this for fun in elementary is almost like Mad Libs. Okay, kids, I want you to give me an animal. A duck. Okay, now I want you to give me um, a location. Uh, oh, the fair. And now I want you to give me something absurd a duck would do. Um, eat a lollipop. Okay. And so they would go in and say, write me a story about a duck attending the county fair, eating a lollipop and, you know, some, and it will write a story. Look how amazing we did this together, kids. We came up with the character, the idea, the location, and look what it did. Now, based on this story, I want you to go draw me a picture of what the cover of this book would do. Now the students are creating this innovative writing or, or artist art component, right? Or reverse in Dolly, okay? The duck in the fair with a lollipop. Here's an image. Now write me a short story about what this duck is doing and why is he there and how did you get the reverse engineering these things can be extremely fun for creativity and critical thinking. Why, why do you have, where did the duck get the lollipop? Like there's different ways to use this without having the students actually having to have access to it, but we can't just completely ban it from our teachers, right? so which some a, school districts have done. I have a question for you when you were talking about equity. So let's say the teacher's on board, but happens to work in a place that equity just isn't there. What, what, what suggestions to make it more equitable? Yeah, so I, I would say definitely there should be uh, like an after-school program where, where like a, a makerspace or a, a, a CS lab where there's a component where a student can go in and play around with this and, and, and see how it works or, or it'd be demonstrated, right? Uh, that could be something incredibly important. You know, because if, again, if, if a school is not one-to-one -one, or if a school is not one-to-one -one with maybe a student doesn't have access to internet at home, they don't have a Wi-Fi hotspot, that, there's a lot of issues, like you said, deeper issues that go into that for other things, not just this. But we have to give students opportunities for success and experience on our campus then. Uh, I've always said that if you're going to have students do technology activities, you need a lab room that allows students after school to do those technology type activities because you can't always assume they're going to have access to it at home. Same thing with, with, with a, a science lab. The reason you have a science lab is students are falling behind or they can't do it at home because they need that guidance. There should be a computer lab opened up to allow students to experience these technologies or get, get work done in technology as well. So that's one way I would say going about doing it. But, but you know, that's a, that's a deep issue that to begin with, but layering this on top, it adds to even the deeper one as well. This isn't going to be free forever. Uh, right now it's in beta so that they can take what people are doing and seeing how they're using it so that they can then put this into um, their pitch to other industries uh, because they, uh, OpenAI owns that GPT engine and that engine can then be put in to drive other businesses. Right. Uh, and, it, and it's going to be licensed out and sold to these other businesses to be utilized. And we can't think 
that it's not going to be licensed out to textbook companies. It's not going to be licensed out to education technology companies. Microsoft, Google, imagine this. Microsoft embeds this into Office 365. Awesome. We have the, we have an enterprise, we have a Office 365 account. Okay, but if you want access to the uh, Clippy on steroids, if you want access to the GPT, you have to go to the next tier in the education. Oh, we can't afford that. Sorry, your school misses out now. Now the, the 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 schools that have the funding will have access to this. Schools that don't are not. Now you're creating this definite equity issue of these districts have it, these districts don't. These school have it, this school doesn't. That's going to be an issue. So how do we solve that issue? That's something that I'm really looking into right now as well, because, you know, it's again, it's not going to be free forever. There is going to be tears and is it is going to be pay, pay to use. Uh, I just hope that does not create um, the have the haves and the have nots in school districts with this new technology. So we're talking about this a lot for educators. What about students? How could students utilize this? Because at the end of the day, schools can block it. I know that a lot of school districts are blocking it, but if students have access to it at home, they're going to use it. How would you recommend students and even their parents to embrace and utilize ChatGPT? I, I would say it's, it's almost like an at-home tutor. It really is. I mean, you know, it, it may not be the, be the best at complicated math problems, but elementary level, junior high level, it can do a pretty darn good job. Um, and most parents are <laughs> like, I don't remember. I haven't done this in seventh grade. I don't know how to do it now. Right. And so if the student's stuck and the parents stuck and they come to school and they don't finish their homework because they couldn't figure out how to do it, then they get in trouble because they're not done with their homework. It's this cycle of it's it's something I'm very passionate about because I used to run detention at my school and I would see this happen. I felt very bad for the student because they they said they never got help. It's just something that I was trying to figure out. How does this how does this work? But they can use it at home to solve help them solve math problems, right? And I, I would tell the students, no, don't put all your math problems in there and tell them to solve it. Say I'm trying to solve this kind of math problem. Can you give me a step by step tutorial on how to solve it? that extra teacher? Um, maybe your teacher asks you to read a paragraph. Um, from um, from the or, or the first chapter of the outsiders and you're like ah, I don't get this at all and you tell your parents I, I can't I don't understand this they want me to you know uh, compare and contrast um pony boy with this like I don't understand you can go into chat GPT and says in chapter one of the outsiders how is pony boy like so and so and it will give you some ideas now you're not stuck anymore and so it helps the students get pushed forward to be part of the conversation process when they come back to school, rather than sitting in the back going, I didn't understand it. I'm not going to raise my hand. I'm just going to put my head down and hope the teacher doesn't call on me. Now the student's confident enough because they chat GPT, help them understand it a little bit. And guess what? If the student raises their hand and says, this is what I think, and the teacher's like, ah, it's a little bit off. And the teacher helps the student. Now the teacher is adding on to maybe some of the fallacies or the ineptitudes of what chat GPT can produce, but at least it ignited the student to participate. That is what I'm excited about. It's an at home teacher an at home kind of person um, that can help them get started. Or I'm writing an essay. Can, can you tell me the, 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 the best way uh, to go about writing? Give me a template, give me an outline, give me something on how I can best convey this with my teachers. And it'll, it'll give you some pointers. Okay, so uh, for paragraph one, you should kind of start with this. 
Um, and then that would lead into this and that would lead into this and that, and that would help you do that. Like that's not writing the entire thing for you, but it gives you a kickstart into how you should structure, right? Which a teacher would be doing anyways. But if you're tasking the student to do it at home and they can't do it, now they're already falling behind when class starts the next day. So this helps that process. It helps the writing process because it allows students to now engage in the classroom instead of trying to hide in the classroom. I wish I would have had this for math. <laughs> oh man. It, it's exciting. And I, and I think one of the things, and I could be wrong about this, but I think one of the things that holds a lot of educators back from using these things is a, a little bit of, uh, of jealousy. <laughs> like I had to do it this other way when I was learning, they're going to have to learn it this way because that's how I learned it. Times have changed. <laughs> Times have completely changed. Let's, let's have them learn it with the technologies that they have available to them. I mean, we, we can't teach uh, in a cage. What I mean by that is we can't teach a classroom and, 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 and wall them off from the outside world. We have to be able to incorporate what the outside world is using on a daily basis to, to, to complete their jobs and complete their tasks. Let's let students use those things. Um, and I've always said we should never let, uh, we should never let um, the outside world be using more technology than the classroom. Because the outside world is where we're going to send our kids. So we should be using the tools and, and, and the technologies that they're using in business, that they're using in the creative process, that they're using. Bring those into the classroom because by the time they learn how to use those, there's going to be even more exciting things they're going to have to learn how to use. So there should be no the teachers should not be letting more technology uh, being used outside the classroom than inside the classroom, especially for equity, because if students don't have access to it outside the classroom, the students who have it are going to be ahead of the game when they get to college than the students who don't. So we need to use more of it in the classroom, uh, if, if for the bare minimum, for that exact reason, to get the students prepared for their next educational step. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe, and just sharing a wealth of knowledge. I, you've given me more input and ideas with this than I've ever thought it would have possible with ChatGPT. And just working with teachers, like, hey, guys, just from what uh, Joe told me, we can create lesson plans for you, and we can tweak and modify and make life a little bit easier based on what you want to do. And I think that'll help the teacher so much more because a lot of time it's how do I plan and tweak and how do I make this engaging for my students? Now it's like, here's your lesson plan. Let's engage. Let's move forward. And I think so long as educators like you, me, Laura, all of us continue to have this growth mindset and keep moving forward, we can embrace it and, and you know, embrace it, enjoy it, and just move forward with it and just don't run from it. And, and I think, what, you know, the last thing I kind of want to say is there's, there's one commodity in this world that there's never enough of, we can't have more of, and we all end without any of it. And that's time, right? We all end with zero time left on our clock, right? We can't add more time to our day. And we always feel we don't have enough time in our day. I think by using these tools, it gives us back time. And that time can be used for creating engaging, exciting, creative, and student-centered lessons that we wouldn't normally have because we spent two hours creating a lesson plan that ChatGTP can give us in 30 seconds. And I think that is the greatest gift right now we can give educators is that gift of time. And if we just 
find a way to embrace this technology, we'll have that abundant time to truly transform what we think education can be. Well said. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm like so charged. Absolutely agree. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you so much. My pleasure. It's been a joy. The Tech Lasso podcast is produced by the ITO coordinator team. We are part of the Technology Learning and Support Services Department at the Los Angeles County Office of Education. This work is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. And use our response form to be considered for inclusion in future episodes. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, share your thoughts via Twitter at LACO underscore ITO and on Facebook at LACO ITO. Follow us on LinkedIn at LACO ITO. Thank you.